Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Kumat. This program brought to you by our good friends at Gainesway. From top international bloodlines to rising stars on American soil, Gainesway has put together a stallion roster that is not only primed for future success, but is currently making its mark on the track, led by Caraconti's rising star, Spenderella. This program also gets support from Adelphi Racing Club, the Adelphi Racing Club is a partnership in every sense of the word, not a syndicate, and members are treated like partners and not investors. If you're interested in joining your group of like-minded individuals, having an interactive ownership experience, they're the right fit for you. Adelphi takes a fiscally responsible approach to horse ownership through a patient acquisition strategy, offering partners a chance to compete at the highest levels of the game while doing so in a responsible manner and allowing long-term participation of the sport. Adelphi offers partnership options, including yearlings, two-year-olds in training, private purchase, and claiming options. Recently active at the Basic Tipton Saratoga yearling sale for New York Breds, and there are three exciting prospects currently available, an Arrogate cult out of the family of Audible and Governor Malibu that's headed to trainer Christophe Clement, a beautiful tonalist filly out of the Stakes Place Dam also headed to the Clement Barn, and a hard spun cult who wowed us with his powerful walk that's going to Ray Handel. Join the club, head over to AdelphiRacingClub.com or email Matt at AdelphiRacingClub.com. Check out at Adelphi underscore racing on Instagram and at Adelphi Club on Twitter. Always appreciative to our sponsors as have a fun show coming up here today, uh, talking a little bit about some recent sales action and some upcoming sales action with a little international flair as well. So hope that you will enjoy today's episode. As always, glad to have you along for In the Ring. We'll get right to it. Very happy to welcome in Jimmy George from Tattersalls as we are just a few days away from the start of the October yearling sale. Jimmy, so happy to have you as a repeat guest on In the Ring. And uh, I know there's, a, of course, as always, a lot of buzz leading up to the start of the October sale. What is it about book one of the Tattersalls October sale that makes it so special and so attractive to buyers? I think the, the key to book one is, is quality throughout from start to finish. I mean, these are 550 odd yearlings of, of, the, of the very highest quality, and particularly if your focus is, is on turf performers. We've got such an array of uh, supremely talented stallions standing in Europe at the moment, arguably as, as strong a a stronger collection of stallions as we've had in very many years. And uh, yeah, that, that's reflected in the results that come from these stallions, not just in Europe, but in North America in recent years, in Australia, in Hong Kong and in Japan. You know, So these stallions are just producing superior performers throughout the world on a very consistent basis. And we're lucky enough to have the best of the yearlings by these particular stallions. And they, they concentrate on book one. The buyers recognize that they've had huge success buying at book one in recent years, and that's why they keep coming back. I was reading some articles um, about the sales, and I had read that there are siblings to 60 classic winners uh, throughout in the book, and just that those families are so strong as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that and some of the big pedigrees that is on top of, as you mentioned, the stallions, the female families that are so strong as well? Yeah, and that's obviously, you know, there's two sides to every family, so we can't just pretend it's all it's, it's all about the stallions. Uh, it's, it, as you say, Acacia, there are 
own or half brothers and sisters to more than 60 group grade one winners and classic winners in book one, which even by book one standards is, is a pretty high bar. So we're, we're thrilled to bits with that. Indicative of that is, is the first lot through the, through the ring um, on Tuesday will be a Galileo filly um, who is a half sister to a Breeders' Cup. Uh, winner and and that sets the tone that gives you an indication of uh, of the the extraordinary quality that the buyers will find from from start to finish and she's followed very very swiftly by lot three who's a Dubawi filly um, out of another outstanding mare from from one of the best families of Meon Valley stud over here <clears throat> who were consistent breeders of of horses of the very highest caliber including I think the the last turf graded stakes winner of this year's Saratoga meet in in Emirati trained by trained by Chad Brown so uh, so yeah look there's 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 wonderful there's a huge number of links to to current American top class performers but also globally you know these are these are families that have had an influence throughout Europe and further afield and yeah it's it, from from start to finish it's an amazing catalogue. And I'm sure for, for breeders, for the farms, there's a lot of history, a lot of trust that's placed in Tattersalls as well. Can you tell me a little bit about those relationships and about just how, in general, breeders and consigners would point to this particular sale for horses that they think highly of? Yeah, I mean, you you make a very good point there. And funnily enough, the, just the, the, the consigners or the breeders I just mentioned, Meon Valley Stud, they're, they're a case in point. They've been established as amongst the premier uh, breeders in Europe. They're based in Hampshire in England, a, a couple of hours away from here. And uh, the Weinfeld family have been breeding consistent numbers of group and listed winners for the last 30, 40 years. And uh, they send the best of their stock every year to Tavisols. And they're, they're not alone. You know, they're, they're at the very top of the tree. And, and uh, the Meon Valley families are unbelievably eagerly sought after every year. But and they demonstrate that commitment and that loyalty to Tavisols from some of the best breeders in, in Britain, Ireland and further afield in Europe that we're enormously grateful for. They're the bedrock of why book one is such a special sale. They're the reason people come here. We're, we're sort of bit part players in all of this to a, to a degree. We're, it, it's a privilege to, to be presenting these yearlings on behalf of these breeders every year and to, to seeing them go on to great things on, on, the, on the world stage. You mentioned that even by book one standards this year is a strong group as far as those pedigrees are concerned. What's the recruiting process like? Of course, you mentioned people will point to this sale, but how do those horses end up in book one versus one of the other books throughout the sale? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a process that starts, you know, early in the year, you know, we'll have the yearlings nominated in February, March, we'll get out on the road from April onwards, and we'd like to have broken the back of the yearling inspections, which are obviously England, Ireland, France, throughout Europe, wherever, wherever we have a nomination from, and also a few in, in North America as well, we'd expect to inspect a few over there um, every year too. So the process starts then, and, uh, you know, we have to match up the physicals and the pedigree and and obviously in discussion with the breeders and the consigners try to fit the right yearlings into the right sale and uh, every year the, the cream of the European yearling crop is focused on book one of the October yearling sale but book two is a very very strong sale in its own right as well and uh, you know I think anybody taking a taking a good look at book two will be pretty impressed by the quality
quality of that. Um, you know, we've got three days fairly quickly following book one. This year's poster child for book two is none other than the unbeaten Derby winner, Desert Crown. So whilst book one has the, the, the highest percentage every year of, of group and listed performers from any yearling sale in Europe, book two is a pretty, it, it is a pretty worthy successor as well. You talked about the Breeders' Cup earlier, and I know there's a great partnership there and, and mutual respect in seeing how not only European runners going over to the Breeders' Cup, but horses that are trained stateside being successful in races like the Breeders' Cup coming out of that Tattersall sale. How important are races like the Breeders' Cup in America in conjunction with some of those big group races we see over in Europe as far as highlighting what that sale can produce? Yeah, I mean, the, the recent run of success for graduates of book one of the October yearling sale has been fantastic for us. I mean, we, we couldn't have asked for more in terms of uh, uh, sort of putting book one on the map with American buyers in particular. <clears throat> Excuse me, Acacia. And, uh, you know, so when, when Newspaper of Record won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf a uh, few years back, that represented the, the sort of the culmination of the of the first trip that the you know Mike and Mary Ryan and Chad Brown buying on behalf of Peter Brandt and Seth Clark and they came here they bought a dozen yearlings and two of them ended up as graded stakes winner grade one winners including yeah. newspaper of record and another graded stakes winner to to go with them you know, that was just it couldn't have worked better yeah. it was a tribute to the 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 talent and the ability of those guys to source horses of this caliber for very reasonable value as well. Newspaper record cost 200,000 guineas, which, okay, you know, I'm not, I'm not belittling that. It's a significant sum of money, but when you're accessing families of that caliber, she's very, very well bred as well as being a champion uh, for that sort of money, they go on to perform at that level, perform, you know, at the very highest level, which the Breeders' Cup is, um, you know, that was just the best possible start for that programme and this wave of American buyers that we've seen in the last few years. Something you've mentioned to me <clears throat> as well recently is how with American buyers and the strength of the US dollar coming over to a sale in Europe, now's really the time to buy. I think it's a huge opportunity. Um, it really is. I mean, the, the pound wasn't particularly strong this time last year. Um, so, you know, the, the guys that came over last year were getting very good value then. So if you consider that they're getting 25% better value coming into this, this, this year's book one is pretty extraordinary. I mean, it, 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 I said the other day to someone, it's unique in my lifetime. So anybody who has uh, an enthusiasm for turf performers, anybody who is setting their stall out to, to compete at the highest level of turf racing, whether it's in America or further afield, these, these are properly, you know, unique opportunities to, to take advantage and come and find some of the best bred turf performers in the world at a discount and a, and a pretty serious discount too. What's the buzz like leading into the October yearling sale? Because of course, Tattersalls has many sales throughout the years and the work never stops as far as leading up to the next one. But what's the buzz like right now as you're on the heels of really kind of the marquee sale of the year for you? Yeah, look, <clears throat> there's a lot of excitement in the air. 
Um, <clears throat> we're still a few days out, but obviously pretty well all the yearlings are, uh, are on site now and they'll begin, they, you know, plenty of them were showing today, but they'll begin showing in real earnest tomorrow as we build up to the start of the sale on Tuesday. And yeah, it's exciting times. You see the people arriving, you see the faces from America, from Japan, from, from Australia, from Hong Kong, you know, and to, together with the you know the, the huge number of domestic buyers as well from Britain Ireland and throughout Europe so yeah it all builds to to a sort of a bit of a crescendo which we um as we as we welcome lot one the Galileo Philly the 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 sister the own sister to um to the Breeders Cup juvenile to winner who I am going to just remind myself what well, it's out of Jacqueline Quest she is yeah. and she is a heart, she's an own sister in a line of duty so she will get the show rolling and uh you know fingers crossed she'll get it rolling in 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 good style and it's always so exciting to see that and of course you do so much work with your team and highlighting the sale and bringing the best horses there but of course those results is what keeps people coming back to a sale you you love to follow the horses on the racetrack and see those big grade one group one wins because that's what's going to be bring people back next year. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's the key to any any sale, really. And uh, you know, we always say, book one is a collection of the of the finest looking yearlings to be found, certainly in Europe and and comparable with any yearling sale in the world. But it's no good it just being a beauty pageant. Mm -hmm. You know, these horses have to go on and, and justify their lofty price tags and perform at the highest level. And that's why this sale works. It works mm -hmm. on so many levels and the buyers come back driven by success. And that is is just it, it's wonderful to see that success. And, you know, in, in the course of this year, <clears throat> it's not, you know, people are sourcing these grade one group one winners at, at every level of the book one market. And, and this year alone, we've had seven individual book one group or grade one winners that was purchased for 200,000 guineas or less, yeah. um, including the lovely Frankel Philly McCulloch over there, yeah. but also including Luxembourg, who's favorite for the Arc de Triomphe on Sunday. And, you know, he was obviously a, a group one winning two-year-old. He's an outstanding three-year-old. And it would be wonderful to go up for, for him to go on, and, you know, dare I say it, but uh, don't want to tempt Providence, but to justify favoritism on Sunday, he was bought for 150,000 guineas, which is extraordinary, really. And, and now the favorite in one of the biggest races in the world. And it, you talked about, of course, American buyers coming, but also worldwide, looking at the presence of, of people from Australia, Hong Kong, Japan, whatever it may be. How did it kind of come to be such um, an international sale over the years? I think it's a reflection of the high standing of, of top class European bloodstock. You know, the, the, the world respects the quality of, um, of, of European stock, British, Irish, French. You know, <clears throat> we can all be a little bit partisan, but I think it's fair to say this is this is the, this represents the, the pinnacle of European breeding. And I don't want it to be just about Britain or just about Ireland or just about, Ireland. this is the best that Europe has to offer. And that's why it's so exciting. And that's, you know, European stock has performed at the highest level in every corner of the world for as long as we can remember, whether they were sourced as, as um, breeding stock or whether they were bought originally as yearlings or whatever. I mean, it's interesting. So probably the, <clears throat> there's four Japanese runners in the Arc de Triomphe this year. 
and they're desperate to get off the mark in this race. They've targeted it for so many years. They've had they've had a couple of very near misses. Um, they've won many the other big races around they, the world know, in the last couple and, of years. And, and weirdly, this one eludes them. Yeah. But interestingly, title holder, who is the is the most fancied in terms of the betting market of the four. He's actually out of a yearling that was bought at book one of the October yearling wow. sale 10, 15 years ago. I can't quite remember what year. A motivator filly bought at book one of the October yearling sale for 30,000 guineas. And she is the dam of title holder, who wow. is arguably the, possibly the highest rated um, cult, or, cult or horse in, 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 um, in Japan at the moment. And again, it just demonstrates the influence of, of European stock um, and why it's so well regarded by, by a global audience. From your involvement with Tadrasols, how have you seen the sale maybe grow and change and kind of develop with the times as of course now we're back to quote unquote normal, I guess, with having a lot more people back on the grounds, but really we've seen all sales have to adapt to the world that we live in over the last few years. Yes, I mean, you know, happily COVID touch wood seems to be behind us and the world is back in a in a much more normal place and all our sales this year have been had a real had a real buzz to them, a real vibrancy, which we obviously missed for the last couple of years. Um you know, COVID meant we had to adapt. COVID meant we had to introduce live internet bidding uh, for, for all of our sales. And that is here to stay. And uh, anybody who is unable to attend in person will be able to, to bid online at one of the October yearling sale. And all the rest of the sales we have at Tadassol's concluding with the December mayor's sale. So every sale we have now is 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 accessible to buyers from throughout the world in that manner and equally people can phone in to anybody here on the grounds to assist them uh, with their bidding live as well and uh, yeah covid covid was ghastly but it it made us think in different ways at times and and some of the innovations and some of the different methods of engagement that we had to to introduce are, are here to stay which is uh, at least something good came out of that ghastly few years Oh, absolutely. Uh, Jimmy, I, I can't wait to follow everything that happens with the sale. I'm sure it's going to be a tremendous success as always. Um, for anybody that's looking to follow along, uh, where can they go online maybe to check things out and, and follow um, along with the sale? Yeah, absolutely. The The sale is is broadcast live from start to finish on tattersall.com. And uh, we intersperse some of the coverage with, you know, live interviews and a little bit of reflection on some of the some of the success stories, whether it's be a huge pin hooking success or just a just a big price or just a horse bought by somebody who may or may not have been here before. Just we try to drag, you know, draw out a few newsworthy elements to, to the broadcast and uh, hopefully people can can tune in that way and enjoy enjoy book one of the October yearling sale at Tadassols from start to finish. Well, Jimmy, wishing you and the whole team all the best with the sale coming up. Thank you so much for taking the time and hope to uh, see you in person. I've gotten to interview you several times over the last few weeks, but hope to see you in person soon. I hope so too, Acacia. It's always a pleasure and, uh, and say hi to everyone. I'm so happy to welcome in a very special guest, uh, Mr. Dan Burke, longtime breeder here in the state of New York, owner as well. And uh, Dan, I am so happy to have you on the show today and get a chance to pick your brain a little bit. Well, thank you, Acacia. It's nice to be here and nice to have our friendship with the Clement family, who you have friendship with, and, uh, <laughs> marriage too. So we're ready to roll. 
I love it. And uh, yes, I got to know you through your involvement with the Coleman family and um, you have been involved with horses. I know your entire life and that goes for show horses, breeding, owning horses. Where did it all start for you? Well, my parents uh, liked horses and, and actually my mother got on a horse because it was therapy for a inner ear problem that caused her a lot of dizziness and problems back in the 1930s. So I, I came on the scene in 1941 and then start, they bought a pony for me. And we showed that pony uh, at a lot of big shows, including Madison Square Garden in 1949 and 50, which was a lot of fun and uh, very competitive. And through high school, I rode in horse events. And then when, when I started to head to college, it was time to stop riding and do something else. And my brother and I were partners then in what was known as Ken Danny Farm. Ken was his name and Danny was my name at that time. And so we started raising thoroughbreds on a modest scale and sold our first one at Saratoga in 1961. And we've been selling on and off at Saratoga ever since. The game has changed quite a bit, as you know. So in the early days, we got them ready ourselves and trailered them to Saratoga and sold, which a lot of people on the opening night of Saratoga um, would sell their own little small consignment. That time, Saratoga was selling five nights a week, 50 horses mm -hmm. a night, if you can imagine how that has changed. <laughs> and then since then, we've gravitated towards trying to raise some New York breads and some that are born in Kentucky. So we have four mares at our farm here in Elmira, New York, and we have four mares at Blackburn Farm. Mike Barnett and Troy West uh, run that operation in Midway, Kentucky. And you mentioned how the the sales scene has changed and developed so much. And you had been telling me back this summer, um, just some of the stories of what the sales used to be like versus what they are now. And seeing that change and also seeing the rise of how marketable New York breads are. Can you talk a little bit about that development in particular? Well, in the, when we, in 1961, and Nobody knew what a New York bread was. We had New York breads because we had them full at a farm my brother and I had now, which he's passed on. So now I just have an, a different farm in the same community, up, upstate New York. But in those days, people sold their own. They raised them. It was The sale was a social event at Saratoga. It went for five nights. And... The buyers in today's world have changed so that I think they're much more professional as far as that goes. And they don't want to spend five nights looking at 50 yearlings to mm -hmm. go and bid that evening. And so it's changed now to where they're selling 110 or 120 a night in the main sale. And the New York bread sale has evolved uh, from its earliest days, which I guess was late 1970s. I mm. was a member of New York Thoroughbred Breeders then and actually chaired that organization for 
four years from 1978 to 1984, with Paul Schasberg being the interim two years in between my two terms. And we've developed the New York bread sale. And that has evolved now. And the program has just grown spectacularly, as you have noted. And, and where Naira used to look down their noses at New York Reds because they were pretty slow and the handle was not as good. Now they are very competitive and the betting handle on New York Reds is equal to any of the other races. For somebody that was involved in creating that New York bread sale and growing the New York bread program. How proud are you to see, I mean, a horse like Tiz the law who's in New York bread winning the Belmont stakes and the Travers and kind of just the growth in general of that New York bread program, the purses here in the state of New York as well. Well, yeah, you're talking, well, I'm going back to when maiden New York claimers ran for $5,000 purses in New York. Okay. And now they're running now maiden claimers are running for $45,000 purses made in special weights at Saratoga running for $90,000 purses. And uh, the growth has just been spectacular, but the, what, what the breeders have done is to make a much better horse. And, and mm -hmm. I think you see that with the, people that come to the New York bread sale that they're looking to buy athletes who can compete on any ground, whether it's back in New York and, and, and restricted races or going to open races like tis the law and hopefully a little arrogate colt that <laughs> was sold this year. And hopefully he didn't drown down in Ocala where he's, he's learned how to run, but I think they were spared the worst of the storm, which was a tragedy further south on the West Coast. Terrible. Absolutely. And you mentioned the Arrogate cult. So a perfect transition at the New York bred yearling sale this year. You sold the sale topper, a horse that you had bred consigned uh, by Eaton Sales on behalf of your long for Longford Farm, hip number 573. Um, this cult going for 700,000, which was a record. Can you talk me through that experience and what it's like seeing your horse in the ring selling like that? Well, that, that's a record for Longford Farm, too. So <laughs> wasn't it? it was amazing uh, to see that. And actually, he was bred by Kathleen Schweitzer who is my daughter mm -hmm. and myself. And the story goes back to 1920. We, and, and 2020, we decided to try to buy a mare and, and from the Keeneland sale. And the New York bread program, it just saves, changed its rules that if you bought a mare in, in the Keeneland sale, you could bring her back within, as long as it was within 10 days after the sale, and the foal would be a New York bred and you could send her back out to be bred by a different stallion. So we go over these mares and we're looking to see ones that are on our list. And she was sold on the second day of uh, Georgie's Angel, who's the mother mm -hmm. of our Airgate colt and also the mother of another Airgate colt called Cave Rock, who has put herself on the map. Mm -hmm. uh, she was in the sale very early on the second day. So the first day, and of course that was the COVID year. So we couldn't go to the sale because neither one of us could take 10 days off, to, which the New York law made you quarantine for 10 days if you went out of state at that time. 
And so the first day we had Mike Barnett looking at mares for us and the ones that we had checked off were all going for double what our pocketbook would allow. So that didn't work. So Kathleen says, I think the best answer is to be there real early and and try to go before the sale builds up some momentum. So we had gone over this and Georgie's Angel, we liked because even though Bellamy Road wasn't very well known as a broodmare sire, uh, we liked him and I remember when he raced and she had won the Schuylerville, which is a grade three race at Saratoga as a two-year-old and had placed in another stake and actually was fourth in the spinaway, which probably is better than either of the other two performances. So I said, for selling at the New York sale uh, out of a mare who won the Schuylerville at Saratoga, I think an infold arrogate, if you can get her, get her so she called me up and said it's time to come time to bid I said okay go ahead and bid but there is a limit with that I went to Dunkin Donuts to get coffee because I'd gone to work early that day and we came back my phone is flashing and she said we got her we got her I said, wow you better Samara was bought sight unseen and Kathleen liked the way she walked in and she, we bought her for $75,000 in full to Arrogate. Mm. Her full by Arrogate came in right after her and sold for $210,000 as a weanling. So we felt pretty good right from the beginning. And then she ended up coming to our, to our farm and she fits in here perfectly. And now we fast forward to April so she got here in November, April. <laughs> Kathleen wants to be here when the foal is born. And so we have this crude system of a, monitor, of a TV monitor in the stall, like a baby monitor in mm -hmm. a baby room. And it comes to a TV set. And when the mare started foaling, we ran over. By the time we got there, she'd already fold, but it was pretty brand new. And he was just special from day mm -hmm. one. I mean, then you get lucky. We were extremely lucky. Yeah. And we talk about the winners, but we don't, we forget the losers, but we can't <laughs> remember. We, we all have plenty of them. And, but this was just, and he was, he was a star from day one. And uh, hopefully, hopefully he goes on and runs well. You mentioned too, the, the sibling of this horse who we saw in, the in the ring and then cave rock by arrogate going on to win impressively uh to break his maiden and seeing that happen plus you have uh the kentucky oaks winner is by arrogate it's just all kind of these things coming together throughout the summer did that make you excited leading into the sale oh, yeah. because, I mean, we were, because of we all thought, that yeah yeah we thought that was you know we were watching so we, we watched the horses who were out of our mares or who mm -hmm. were foals out of our mares like they're our own. And we probably bother the trainers way too much, which is how <laughs> I got involved with the Clement family because they had bought a, they had ended up training one of our mares, Lena Teresa's daughters. Uh, and so I would bother Christoph and say, how is she coming? And uh, that's how I got to know him. So anyway, we watch him. And we see Cave Rock is working like a demon out in California. And I 
go on the Delmar condition book and I look it up and I see that there is a maiden special weight race, six and a half furlongs, two days before our arrogate full mm. brother is going to sell. And I said, oh man, I hope that'd be fun if he ran in that. And I said, oh, if he runs terrible, that's not going to be very good. We'll forget <laughs> that he was entered and hope nobody else knew. And instead he had one of the highest speed ratings and buyers of any two-year-old of the year and won by six and a half or seven lengths. And, and so that, I mean, the stars lined up for this guy yeah. and uh, we ended up on Monday of the sale at one time there was a a that examination of the colt in his stall and they were ultrasounding all four legs just to make sure that they could bid a, a lot and i thought he would go well but i had no dreams that he would sell as well as he did mm-hmm. and there was four groups waiting to see him about three hours before the sale his sale would begin so i told kathleen i said take go take a video of this because it doesn't happen very often <laughs> that there's this many people waiting to see what we're going to sell the day of the sale and i mean he he just showed just perfectly and then we were waiting for the sale to go in and or for the, his sale to begin and People were coming out to take a look at him and film him and take pictures of him as he was being groomed prior to it. And that gave us a pretty good feeling that maybe it was going to be fun. (laughs) And fun it was as he went through the ring and just so exciting to see that too. Um, And you mentioned the relationship with your daughter, Kathleen. I know your other daughter, Sheila, was involved in horses as well. Maybe not so much on the breeding side, but how special is it to have um, your daughter now be such a huge part of the operation and be able to share that all with her? Well, it's, it's, it really gives us a lot of satisfaction and, and I love that she loves it so much and she likes to do the research, especially when now we're trying to figure out who we're going to book our mares do for next year. And I have to give a shout out to Charlie, my the silent partner in all this. He's the oldest of the three Burke children. And he's the one that always gets a call when the mares are ready to fall. So he mm-hmm. he always comes down and helps them fall. And he surprised me at the Saratoga sale by driving up just to see it. And uh, it was an exciting day. But Kathleen does a lot of work and uh, she she really loves horses. And I don't know if you got a chance to meet her up at Saratoga oh, or yes. not. But, yeah. yeah. And oh, that's right. We had dinner together. Yes. So, yes. yeah. And uh, uh, so it, she does the research and together we go over and pick apart each of our ideas when we buy mares and then trying to breed the stallion. I mean, you have to get lucky. I will say that. Mm -hmm. Then we got lucky and we've been fortunate since she's been on board that we've had several horses who have competed in graded races and, and a couple of one graded races, big Ben being one and uh, several have competed but not one, but it placed. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's been fun. I mean, uh, we're going back to Kentucky this year, although with inflation in the horse market, I think you saw in Kentucky sale just recently that the prices were pretty stout. Um, 
finding a mayor that clicks all the boxes is going to be very hard to do come November. And you've had some special mayors uh, at your farm. I mean, even I, I know you always speak fondly of Spacey Tracy, the dam, uh, most notably a victim of love, who's a multiple graded stakes winner and a mayor that's just been really good to you. Talk a little bit about a mayor like her and um, how special because she was a good horse on the racetrack and has been a terrific brood mayor as well. Yeah, we try to buy mares who have had some black type on a racetrack. They don't have to want a stake or graded stake, but they have to have competed in them. And so we went down and she's by Awesome again, who I like. And mm -hmm. and she was in full to to uh, Spitestown, who's a caring victim of love when we bought her. And I had to argue with my wife and the farm owner of whether we should buy her or not because she was acting very aggressive at the sale and I said boy I, I just think she's might be the one and we and so I didn't listen to them and luckily luckily she's turned out I was just being agitated at the sale once I got her back to the farm she's been very perfect almost perfect and uh, she she throws you know she's had she had four stakes horses in a row she, she had victim of love who won who who won those graded stakes in New York. And then she had Benner Island who won the eight bells at Keeneland. She had High North who won a bunch of stakes and then Space Launch who we kept placed in the stakes. So she's just been fantastic uh, as a brewer. The only problem with her is she takes 360 days to to have a fall so <laughs> you do have to you do have to miss more years than I would like to right. miss because it, she cooks them for a long time <laughs> slow and steady wins the race right that's um, correct you also have uh smoke signals who we saw her phantom smoke winning at Saratoga this summer you owned a piece of as well and he became the 1000th winner for West Point thoroughbreds as well and I know that they have bought a few horses that your family has bred too um it's always amazing to me seeing the relationships that continue to grow and um I think owners appreciating a horse that comes from a, a good and trusted breeder Oh yeah, I mean Terry Finley seems like the nicest man in the world, and you know I would see him at Saratoga, and actually I I used to see him at church up in Saratoga on Sundays. When I would go, we we both sat in the back so we could get out a little early. But uh, I didn't know him, and then when we had sold Phantom Smoke, uh, who was out of Smoke Signals, who Christoph trained Smoke Signals. And and uh, the lady that bought him put him back in a two-year-old sale that was actually just at the beginning of the COVID outbreak, and the sale suffered because of that. And young Mr. Clement, otherwise known as Miguel, mm -hmm. uh, bought as agent for West Point. I guess bought the colt as agent, and West Point. Right bought part of him and we then got back into him um, for a small piece just to have a rooting interest because he had been good to us at, when we sold him at Saratoga the first time. So uh, that started a relationship with West Point. And then last year they bought the 
Ohana Honor, who is an honor code out of Spacey Tracy. Mm-hmm. And he has been second in his first two starts at New York. And they hold out great, pro- they hold out great hopes for him. And so, the, and then they were the underbidder on uh, one of the underbidders and uh, Airgate called out of. So if they do, once I think that buyers develop a relationship and they know where the, how the horse was raised and, mm-hmm. and uh, it seems like you have a customer for a long time. And so we appreciate that a lot. West Point, I think does a great job yeah. with their syndications. Absolutely. And I, I know a, a great customer to have too. And uh, as you used to have the mares on your farm in Elmira, and you're still a big part of the breeding operations with your family, you're there for the foaling, the entire process of it. And it's, it's not easy breeding horses. It's a lot of work, but can you talk a little bit about how fulfilling it has been with breeding horses and watching them be successful on the racetrack and just the, the journeys that they take you on? Yeah, I, I I bought into a partnership with Centennial. We're good friends with the Littles and, mm-hmm. and one time. And we had no part of the opera, of the horse except that we bought into him. And to me, that was not near as fulfilling as when you have one that you saw on day one and you lived with his eyes and his lows as growing up and and watching him grow and then a little remorse every time we sell one we have a little it is amazing every time we sell one we feel a little sad like they're they're going from our place to someplace else but we know they're going to go to a good home and have the best opportunity to run mm-hmm. uh but seeing them be successful is is just very fulfilling that you were part of it from the earliest beginnings the falls are great. I love I love it when we have a fall. I mean, to watch them go out the first time and learn how to use their legs and buck and kick and fall down a little bit. They're still <laughs> trying to go fast and their mind is going faster than their legs allow, I guess. I know Kathleen does a lot of the research and putting the matings together, but it really is very important to choose the right type of mating as well. And you, you have very strong mares and proven mares, but um, it's up to on the breeder's side of things to choose the best opportunity for them when it comes to that mating. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you certainly have to chase how much you want to spend. That's one thing. And then we, we come up with a short list and then Again, Michael Barnett from Blackburn Farm, he goes out and takes a look at the stallions and tries to tell, guide us as to how he thinks that particular stallion will, res- will do crossing with our mare as far as confirmation goes. Mm-hmm. And I, th- that's a major big help. So, and then this two years ago, we started selling with Eaton rather than having a small consignment from Blackburn. And I think that is, that has been a good move for us because Mm -hmm. the market, again, it's hard for a small consignment to, to get all the buyers to come and the the buyers are looking at 400 horses a day at Keeneland and New York bread sale, 100 and 
25 a day. So they are very busy to look at all those yearlings. And you still, as you mentioned, you stayed in for a piece, for instance, with Phantom Smoke, but I know that you still enjoy owning horses as well. And that side of things and being part of that and going to the races, those experiences, how fun is it being there when you know everything that's gone into getting a horse to that point? Well, yeah, that means take space, take space launch. So yeah. he did, we didn't sell him because he had a, a bone cyst in his stifle that the vets treated with putting a screw in, mm -hmm. which then the the bone will go around, will put it calcium around the, the, the insert. And it helped him a great deal. And so I called the veterinarian and I said, should we take it out? He said, well, if you want to go to the sale, you have to take it out. But every time mm -hmm. you operate on a joint you're putting the horse at risk and I said so I guess that doesn't sound like a very good opportunity to go in there again he said well then the other way to do it is to keep him in race so <laughs> we we sent him to Randy Bradshaw to break down in Ocala and then from there he went on to Christophe Clement and he won his first start and we were there and it was, it was just amazing. It was so much, so enjoyable as a two-year-old. Yeah. And then his second start, I think he was third in the stake at New York. And he, the only thing is so funny about him is he's a Bernardini and he wants to run on the turf and most of them want to run on dirt. So your father-in-law telling me all the time, why do I have the only horse that you, my Bernardini that has to run on turf? <laughs> At least he, he got some wins on it. At least he had that for sure. And uh, yeah, you guys very... never you guys never give him any pluses. I do. I, 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 well, you do, but your partners <laughs> don't. And and you take a look at his record, and he's always trying. I mean, he that always tries. tries. He's third <laughs> or second uh, almost every race, and he's won three. And now we're trying to get the fourth one before he goes to Florida for the vacation that he gets every winter. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope to see him back in the winter circle soon. He tries every time. You have to love a horse like that more than anything. Um, Dan Burke, I can't say thank you enough for sharing your stories and your experiences. And um, we hope to see you in the winter circle soon. Well, thank you very much, Acacia. Great talking to you. And I will say that the, I've met more nice people in the horse business in the 63 mm -hmm. years I've been around them than any other thing I've done. So there's great people in the, in the thoroughbred industry. And that concludes another episode of In the Ring. I um, hope that you all will be able to follow along with the Tattersall's October yearling sale that's coming up. Um, it's definitely on my bucket list of a place to go um, and something to see live. But I always do like to follow along, especially with how many more um, American runners we've seen having been purchased over at the Tattersall sale. So big thanks to Jimmy George. Very special thank you to Dan Burke um, for sharing some of his wonderful stories and looking forward to following that exciting Arrogate cult that he talked about on the racetrack as well. As always, if you have any ideas or things that you're interested in, let me know. Please feel free to share this podcast with anybody that you think would enjoy it. Go on over to In The Money Media, uh, sign up for the newsletter, check out all the great content for my colleagues over there. Thank you to Adelphi Racing Club and Gainsway for the support of In The Ring and making this possible. I'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.